This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. Good morning, everybody, and welcome into Hogs Hoops Live. I am your host, Curtis Wilkerson. You can find me over at hogsports.com alongside Trey Biddy, Danny West, and Andrew Ellis. Ah, tough loss for the Razorbacks at LSU Wednesday night. We're going to break it all down, take a look at what lies ahead for the Hogs, get to your questions and comments as always. All right, let's go ahead and get started. All right, folks, you know all the places you can watch and listen at this point. Be sure to throw us a like, thumbs up, five-star review. Those things really do help us a ton to expand our reach, and we definitely do appreciate it. Don't forget about our promo. There's still a few more days to get in on this deal. Hogsports is 50% off for an annual VIP membership. Paramount Plus is free with your subscription. It's a good deal. Hop over to hogsports.com and take advantage of that now. All right. A little bit of a shorter show today. I do have a drive to St. Louis to make this afternoon. Going to go visit some family, friends, the old stopping grounds. Been looking forward to that. But we got to talk about this LSU game. I have mixed emotions about it. You know? Mixed emotions. The SEC is tough, man. These league games are different. Higher intensity. They're grinders, usually more physical, they're officiated differently, and nothing is easy on the road. Yeah, you know, I, I fully expected Arkansas to be challenged in this one. thought they were going to win. Uh, but, you know, the first experience in SEC play for most of this roster, if, if you're not Devo Davis or Kamani Johnson, right? You know, Arkansas is down a couple bodies. It's the first true road game of the season. So, you know, I mean, there's some elements there. I'm not going to lie, though. You know, Arkansas loses this one 60-57 in Baton Rouge, and I really feel like they let one get away that they should have had. You know, to me, Arkansas, with or without Nick Smith Jr., they're better than LSU. They're more talented. They're more battle-tested at this stage of the season. Uh, I feel like that's one you should get. Road wins are precious in this league, uh, and that was a good opportunity. For Arkansas to get one. So, you know, what stood out in this game? Uh, you know, where did things go wrong? I, you know, honestly, the Hogs just didn't play very well. And, and, and poor performances will, you know, they'll get you beat on the road in this league. I, I think you have to start on the offensive end of the floor. Um, it, it was really a struggle, especially in the first half. I think it's pretty telling when Eric Musselman uses the phrase out of character. Uh, several times during his post game, and it was it was kind of an uncharacteristic performance for Arkansas on the offensive end of the floor, and they haven't been a juggernaut on that on that you know that end by any means, but um, but they just kind of got away from their identity, don't you think? I feel like they did at least. You know, LSU is a pretty good team. They're certainly flawed. I, I think we can agree with that. Uh, you know, they've struggled quite a bit, though, with, with containing dribble penetration against lesser opponents this year. Arkansas had a distinct advantage, you know, when it comes to height and length in the backcourt. But again, they just got away from their identity on the offensive end. You know, 19 points in the first half on 27% shooting. That, that That's season lows for half, I'm almost certain, in, in both categories there. Um, 0 of 13 from three in the first half. I mean, there are nights where Arkansas doesn't shoot 13 threes in a full game. And they shot 13 in the first half at LSU. And, and you know, they were in that little matchup zone. 
that was effective for him. It wasn't anything special or, or anything that Arkansas hasn't seen before. They just settled for jumpers, and, and they they just weren't aggressive in their attack, especially early on. Um, weren't able to get downhill and get into the teeth of the defense. Only three free throws attempted in the first half. Right? That's what happens when you're shooting a bunch of jumpers, right? So um, it was a struggle on the offensive end there early on. I thought the Hawks defended really well in the first half, you know, and, and that kept a minute, right? So they were fortunate to only be down five at the break. What was it 24 to 19? You know, after the break, I'm sh- I'm sure at, at halftime during the speech, you know, from us, it was a, a whole lot of, you guys got to get more aggressive. You got to be relentless attacking the rim because I thought that's what we saw coming out of the break. They looked a lot more assertive on the attack and some of those threes finally started to fall. That helped too. Um, you know, they had a nice little run there. They, they kind of got LSU to back out of that zone for a while, but, you know, they kind of dug their hole there and then just, yeah, man, they just couldn't get them to fall. It was one of those nights, you know, at the end of the game, season low 57 points, uh, a season high 25 three-point attempts that you only make four of, um, season low in free throw rate by a significant margin. They only got to the line 10 times in the game. Uh, and it just felt like nobody in the starting lineup was really feeling it consistently. Some guys had some outbursts uh, and some spurts there. Uh, but, you know, did anybody bring their A game to this one? I, I don't think so. Um, and Arkansas is a talented enough team to win some games when that's the case. But, you know, a lot more things have to go right, I think, than they did in this one. Struggled in the half court, especially offensively. And just, you know, I think some of it, too, was they weren't generating enough turnovers to fuel that transition offense. That's when they're at their best, right? Turning teams over, getting out on the break and converting. Uh, Didn't have as much of that. The defense was good. I thought they defended pretty well in the half court. A couple exceptions that we'll talk about. Um, You know, ball security was good. Arkansas only turned it over 10 times. That's a great number on the road in SEC play. But they only turned LSU over 10 times as well. And they only turned those into four points on the other end. Arkansas, a team that plays at one of the highest tempos in the country, only had seven points on fast breaks. So, you know, the Hogs had outscored their last two opponents coming into this game 69-14 to 14 in points off turnovers. It's just such a big part of, of what they do and what makes them a special team. Uh, and so not having that at, at the rate that you're used to, it exposed some of the flaws in, in the half-court offense. Yeah, I mean, despite not turning LSU over a ton, I thought Arkansas did some really good things defensively for sure. They only allowed uh, 60 points in the game. That's a winning number. LSU was 4 of 17 from 3. That's a winning number. So this is a, it, what I'm getting at here is this is a frustrating loss, but there were a lot of things that Arkansas still did well uh, despite, you know, just, just playing poorly compared to what we're used to seeing. I mean – just looking at, at some of the box score stuff here, I mean, you you hold the SEC's leading scorer in K.J. Williams. This guy's a double-double machine. He's had some huge games. You hold him to eight points and five boards. You eliminate Justice Hill's ability to facilitate. He came in leading the SEC in assist to turnover rate. I think he had 50 assists and, and just 16 turnovers on the year. You took that part of his game away. Adam Miller, the best scorer in the backcourt for LSU, you took him out of the equation, clamped him. So that was all great, right? I mean, the, the three most prominent weapons, you you know, you kind of neutralize there. But then Trey Hannibal comes off the bench like a bowling ball, the South Carolina transfer, and he just gets to the rim whenever he wants, no matter who Arkansas put on him. And that was frustrating because Arkansas had that length advantage in the backcourt, but Hannibal, I call him a bowling ball. He's only about 6'2", but he's built like a linebacker, you know, big, strong, physical dude and he would just duck his head drive right into the chest of Arkansas defenders and he and he'd power up and finish on them and they didn't really have a good answer for that he I mean he almost single-handedly won him that game with his 19 points uh had some big buckets in, in isolation down the stretch Derek Fountain you know this is a guy who was a he was a bit player at Mississippi State a role player uh he had a double double in this one he, he's kind of come into his own with the change of scenery there at LSU so you know, you take some of the, the better guys out of the equation, uh, but then you have a couple role players who, who get off on you. So, um, you know, a, a little bit of good and bad there on the defensive end of the floor. But really, despite all that, I mean, Arkansas had every opportunity to win this game down the stretch. Ricky Council 
who he he really struggled in this one. You know, he missed some pretty critical free throws. Uh, you know, he split a pair at the line at you know at one point down the stretch. Uh, he missed the front end of a one and one a little bit later. It's a guy who shoots over eighty percent from the line. Uh, you know, just just things he would typically convert with. But then you know, less than a minute to play. You're down one. You need a stop, and then you have plenty of time for a possession. Uh, you know, Arkansas switches Devo onto Hannibal. You know, Devo is your lockdown defender, but you know Hannibal just he just overpowered him in that moment uh, and got the bucket there. Arkansas still answered. You know, I think it was Anthony Black who had the put back there to cut it to one. There's 21 seconds left to play. Um, you know, so Arkansas sets up the defense. They don't foul right away. They go for the trap, try to get a steal because you have a little bit of time there. LSU broke it, right? They they broke the press uh, and hadn't attempted the rim, but Makai Mitchell comes up with an incredible block. You regain possession there uh, with about eight or nine seconds left. And, man, you got a chance to win the game. You get it up the floor to Ricky Council, uh, but he gets caught in traffic there, you know, in the paint. He turns it over. Didn't even get a shot off. Did he get fouled? Maybe so. I just don't think that's going to get called in that moment with the way the game had played out. You know, a lot of folks felt like Muss, maybe he should have called timeout when Arkansas got the ball back there with eight or nine seconds left. I, I don't... I don't think I necessarily agree with that. I mean, it's easy, right, to look back after the fact and, and, and question it. But I think if Eric Musselman knew, you know, how it would play out, he probably would have done the same thing, you know, too, right? He's kind of questioned that decision, maybe gone with something a little bit different. But you don't know until you see it play out. I mean, to me, it's just my opinion. But, I, I mean, Arkansas hadn't really executed well uh, at all up to that point against a set defense. This is a team in the Razorbacks that thrives in the open floor after generating turnovers, right? They create chaos and they capitalize off of it. So you did that, right? By forcing that turnover, you've got LSU scrambling back on defense and you've got your leading scorer who's one of the best transition finishers in the country uh, with the ball in his hands, getting downhill. So, yeah, I mean, I'd let that play out for sure. Didn't work out in this case and, and that stinks, but I don't think that was a bad decision at all. Plus, I mean, what if he calls a timeout and draws something up, you know, what's it going to be? Just given the situation, I mean, do you, do you set up a, a jump shot for a team that hasn't really been making them all night? I don't know. Does LSU go back to that matchup zone and break the play call? They could. I mean, if we're being honest here, it's probably something to get Ricky Council going downhill anyway. So at least in this situation, he was doing it against a scrambling defense instead of a set one. Again, still didn't work out. Just how the ball bounces sometimes. You know, heck, LSU had a couple free throws there uh, with 1.8 seconds left. It, it increased the lead to three, right? So it's still a one-possession game. Jordan Walsh got a great look. <laughs> I, I don't think we talked about that enough uh, from half court straight away from three that, you know, almost banked in. That would have been insane if he would have had that. Looked good but rimmed out. And they just looked uneven at times and, and couldn't get the shots to fall. It's just, just, you know, how do you sum it up? Well, it was one of those nights, right? You know, I thought Makai Mitchell was pretty solid. Eight points, 12 boards. He did a really, I mean, his major contributions to me were on the defensive end of the floor. I thought he did a great job on K.J. Williams. He limited him. He kept him off the glass. If I'm being honest, though, I feel like Arkansas could have maybe run some offense through Makai at times in the second half. He can score it. He had his man in foul trouble, and he's a good passer, too. I need to go back and watch the film and see how many touches he got there in the second half. I, I don't know. It was, it was late. I haven't gone back and watched it, but zero shot attempts in the second half. That surprised me. He got fouled one time, uh, and he made both of, his, both of his free throws. So, I don't know. I feel like he, they could have just maybe utilized him more. But you had some other guys going a little bit there in the second half. But just my thoughts there. You know, Devo led the way with 16 points. It, it's just one of those Devo games, man. Like, I, I do those player grades all the time. And I don't know how many times I've written, like, I just don't know how to grade Devo's performance. Because, boy, he impacts winning in so many ways. But then he just makes you want to rip your hair out sometimes. And, and we had a little bit of that up and down. I do think his offense was much needed 
especially in the second half. He had a couple threes. Arkansas really needed those timely threes. I think both of them tied the game. So big shots that he made there, but he shot eight of them. It just seems like a high number uh, when you're shooting 18% on the year. And we know the emphasis is on, you know, improved shot selection. Had a couple good looks late that didn't fall, whatever. You know, his shot selection is always going to be there, but, um, you know, his energy is contagious. He did some really good things defensively. He also, he struggled with Hannibal too. Man, that guy was just a bowling ball, a bowling ball. He really was. I mean, I'm not sure how much skill was involved, but he just he's just stronger than everybody else. He'd duck his head and drive through him. Anthony Black had a hard time with him. Uh, and Devo, you know, he had that isolation possession there in the final minute. And he lost that one-on-one -on -one battle, but dude's tough. I give him credit. Mentioned Anthony Black, and you know, he looked a little bit out of sorts. He really struggled defensively, you know, when he was matched up with anyone besides Justice Hill. And I, he really used his length well to disrupt that. He was a big part of what Arkansas was doing there. Uh, but it turns out he was under the weather, you know, missed two days of practice coming back from Christmas. He only got one practice in before the game. Uh, and then he goes out there and plays 40 minutes. So, you, you know, you wonder how fatigue might have played into things down the stretch. I think Arkansas needs him, you know, while Nick is out, to be more aggressive looking to score. You know, if Arkansas is going to have three guys who take 14 or more shots in a game, I think Anthony Black needs to be one of them, personally. But he only had eight attempts in this game, and he was three of eight from the field. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all lowercase go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash odyssey podcast knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling meeting new friends or just even to master a new skill but it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes that's why so many people trust Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program, available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language you want to learn, like Spanish, French, Italian, Chinese, and more. You won't just be studying English translations. The Rosetta Stone intuitive process helps you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's Lifetime Membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today. Jordan Walsh, man, he had so many good looks from three in the first half that just didn't fall. I think he had four of them in the first several minutes. And every one of them that came off his hand, I'm like, boom, make money. Nope. It's one of those nights. I lo I'd love seeing Jordan Wall shoot eight threes. Let that thing fly, man. Arkansas clearly needs it. Got to make more than one, though, right? But listen, I thought Walsh did some great things in the second half. He was strong defensively, active, and he really he attacked the boards. That's what I've been waiting to see from Walsh. I bring it up all the time. I just think he can help this team so much more with his athleticism. Rebounding is one of the areas I'm talking about. What was he averaging, like three a game coming in? He had nine against LSU. He was all over the glass, both ends. 
I love that. That was an aggressive effort. I thought he did some good things. He really got going there for a while in the second half, and he had one just elevator, you know, rise up finish over the top of a of a defender where it was like, ah, there, there's that first round pick athleticism that he has. So he's getting more and more comfortable. And it's all about consistency with these young guys, right? From game to game or from half to half. But he grew up last night. There are lessons to be learned in a loss. Council mentioned him struggle a little bit. I felt bad for him. You know, 5 of 19 from the field, that's not good. He had so many chances there to be the hero. You know, talked about some of those missed free throws that he makes, the opportunity at the end. He wasn't able to get a shot off. I feel like all night he was able to get to his spots. He wasn't able to get to the rim as much, and, and credit LSU's defense for that. But uh, well, he was able to get in that sweet spot, you know, 8 to 12 feet where he can knock down that mid-range, elevate over guys, and man, he just couldn't get the roll. So many of them just rolled out on him. The way it is sometimes. Man. Just unfortunate. You know, some missed opportunities for this team. It feels like. Uh, you know, if one guy was really on his A game, you know, in a little bit of takeover mode, that that would have been a win. Oh, well. Man, must rode the starters hard. You know, Black, Council, Devo, all those guys played 40 minutes. 36 for Makai, 32 for Jordan Walsh. It seems like a lot, you know, on a night where guys are struggling a little bit. But it just didn't. Didn't really feel like the bench had it in this game. And that's that's a concern for me right now is consistent production from that second wave. We talk so much about how deep this team is, uh, but they're a little bit depleted right now. I hate to keep bringing up Trevin Brazil because, you know, he's not that he's not worth bringing up. Like he's been out for a while now. You know, like Arkansas has made that adjustment. But, um, you know, it's a dude that was playing nearly 30 minutes per game for you, right? And then, you know, with the uncertainty surrounding Nick, but I mean, those are your two best three-point shooters, I think. Um, Two guys that can really score it for you. So, you know, Arkansas obviously is still playing very sound on the defensive end of the floor, but, you know, until Nick gets back, and man, hopefully that happens or happens soon, whatever, uh, I think there are going to be some nights like this where things are a little bit uneven offensively. I think it shows a little bit more, like I mentioned earlier, when they're not generating a bunch of turnovers and getting those easy ones in transition or getting to the free throw line like they typically do, right? That's where they kind of close that gap and make up for, you know, maybe what they don't have in, you know, creation or three-point shooting, whatever. But the bench, I mean, Kamani played seven minutes. He didn't record a stat, but he's in the game for different reasons, right? Energy, defense, everything like that. But right now, Arkansas needs some scoring punch, so you automatically you look to Jalen Graham, right? I mean, he had that great game before Christmas uh, that kind of sucks you back in a little bit to sip in that Kool-Aid. It's breakout time. Uh, but, you know, in this one, it was just pretty clear that, you know, as soon as he subbed in, he just didn't have it in this game last night. You know, he picked up a foul three seconds into checking in. Uh, he just looked a little, I don't know, I don't want to say timid, unsure maybe. He's completely threw away an, an entry pass as an errant pass. He spun into a charge. Um, I don't know. His minutes were limited, and, and I think that's just the latest example of, of kind of the ups and downs there. I would like to see him have a longer leash too. We know what he's capable of providing. It's all about consistency. And I don't think he has to, to go in and score eight points right away, you know, to, to get an, an extended look or, or not get taken out or whatever. Um but I, I really don't blame Musk for not going back to him in this game. Just watching him, uh, you know, in the minutes that he had, it just didn't seem like he was locked in on, on this given night. And in a tight game like that, it's tough to risk it. But, man, they need him. They really do. He's going to have his moments. Take that to the bank. He's going to have his moments this season. Um, boy, they need him consistently. Joseph Pinion got a short look. It's, it's it's tough with him right now because I'm not sure that one you know that one game sample size against UNC Asheville where he looked great, but I don't know if that warrants a big expanded role yet. You automatically you you know after a game like that you get zoned, you don't shoot well from three, and, and so what do you do? You look at the bench and go, shooter, 
why wasn't he in? Right. I mean, that, that that's human nature. Um, but man, there's a lot that goes into those decisions from practice to sample size and everything like that. So, you know, I don't know if, if he was ready for SEC road game, true freshman, you know, spotlight there, but man, if Arkansas is struggling like they were last night, maybe it needs to be baptism by fire. I, I don't know, but I mean, regardless of, of who it is, I just think Arkansas has to get some bench production. You can't get outscored 25 to zero with your second unit. It just can't happen. Um, and you also can't expect all of your starters to play 40 minutes a game and, and win consistently in the SEC. You're going to wear out. And it's, it's it stinks that that's where we're at because, you know, for the early portions of the season, we were talking about how Arkansas was able to wear teams down with their depth, you know? And now we're kind of looking at it on the other side, and, and they have pieces. All these guys we just talked about off the bench can help. They've made impacts, uh, but where's the consistency? And it's just going to have to develop over time here. It has to. So, you know, I mean, is there a, like a cause for major concern here? No. Look, Arkansas let one get away, but, I mean, put it in perspective, they played or, or shot about as poorly as they can they lost a one possession game on the road against a team that's 12 and 1 in league play. So, you know, they were right there. Far from disaster, right? They played hard, they battled. I'd I'd be really surprised if they don't bounce back pretty quick and you know, I really like the mental makeup of this group. I do. They've responded to adversity really well. Must has a track record of, you know, kind of turning teachable moments into improved play. They're going to be fine. But I do think it shows, you know, that the margin of error is maybe a lot more thin when you're shorthanded. That's for anybody, especially in the SEC, you know, and there's some holes with this team that got exploited, you know, exposed a little bit last night. And there are holes right now, particularly on the offensive end. But you identify it, you learn from it, you fix it. Right. I think it was a one off. uh, But the most important thing now is to make sure that, you know, this doesn't snowball into one of those downswings that you have to dig out of. Uh, like we've seen in the past, potholes are expected along the way. You want to avoid the craters. And so that's the challenge for Arkansas here. One loss, it doesn't mean anything. I mean, the Hogs only dropped four spots to number 14 in the net, and they're still ahead of LSU. Life is good. Still better than last year, right? The SEC, man, it's a beast, though. That showed on opening night last night, you know, not just Arkansas, like Tennessee, they found themselves in a dogfight, man, at Ole Miss, barely snuck out with a win. It was an ugly game, grinder. That's how it is on some of these nights, especially on the road. Auburn squeaked one out at home against a Florida team that's been struggling. I think Florida was 7-5 and five coming in. Auburn's ranked. So, you know, Arkansas took their lump on Wednesday, but everybody's going to get got here at some point in this league book it it's just gonna happen it's gonna be parody Bama got a nice road win at Mississippi State boy hey listen shout out to Missouri I gotta admit you know Arkansas's next opponent the Tigers they're probably gonna come into Bud Walton Arena ranked right this ain't Quanzo Martins Mizzou anymore 12 and 1 you know, they got embarrassed by Kansas on their home floor. That's a rivalry game, but they've really responded well. I mean, they blew the doors off of Illinois before Christmas, and they came out and dominated Kentucky last night, dominated them. Missouri was the better team, period. Now, that might say more about Kentucky's issues than, you know, Missouri, but look, these dudes can play now. Dennis Gates, I mean, he's kind of reinvigorated that that fan base, the program. They're a small team, but they're tough. They'll press the heck out of you. One of the few teams that gets more steals and, and forces more turnovers in Arkansas. Lead the SEC in scoring by quite a bit, 88.8 points per game. That's a lot. Stroking it from three. Kobe Brown is back. You guys remember him. I'm previewing this a little bit. That's, that's Arkansas's next game. They got a week off to prepare, so they don't play until Wednesday after the new year. Kobe Brown's back. You remember him. He kind of did everything for him last year. He does it this year as well. He's kind of a matchup problem as a small ball center. can stretch the floor a little bit. 
Arkansas did a really good job of neutralizing him last year. They also had Trey Wade to do it. A lot of transfers, you know, with the new coaching staff. Demoy Hodge, nice player for him, averaging 17 points per game. Nick Honor, Clemson transfer. It's a high major transfer. I can't remember what school. I think it's Clemson. Uh, he's been great for him. Tough, you know, kind of reminds me of Hannibal a little bit uh, with that stocky frame. Point guard for him, does a nice job. Juco kid and, and Sean East that's been good for him. Um, that's a scrappy bunch. They play hard. They're going to test Arkansas. It's not it, It's not going to be that cakewalk that, you know, walked into Bud Walton Arena last year and, and the Hogs blew their doors off. Um, it's going to be a challenge. I think both teams are going to be ranked. So, you know, hey, next, next Wednesday, it's going to be a battle in Fayetteville. Track meet for sure. Both these teams like to play fast. This is going to be a lot of fun. And I just I have a feeling that Muss is going to have his Hogs ready to play. All right? He's earned that benefit of the doubt. I, I think we feel good about it. Schedule's a beast, though, and that's where I talk about, you know, potholes are okay, craters are not. You would like to get that one and, and set the tone at LSU because, you know, you look at these next three games, a red-hot Missouri team coming in, then you go to Auburn, one of the toughest places to play in the country. They're still ranked. And then you host Bama, who's gone on the road, knocked off number one in Houston this year. They've notched some big wins. They just went to Mississippi State and won. So they're, you know, it's a battle-tested group. They're talented. Those are the next three games. Can you get out of it three and zero, two and one? You certainly don't want it to go the other direction. But look, we're we're about to learn a whole bunch about what this group is made of. So buckle up, baby. It's going to be fun. All right. Let's jump over to the comments and see what we have. These things have been irritating me a little bit lately. Because sometimes they roll off, it starts me in the middle. It gets a little bit frustrating. So if I if I skip over a, a question, I apologize. I really do. I'm not trying to do that. It's just this Facebook thing is weird. I know it used to be that way with Trey. I don't know if he still has that problem or not. Okay, let's see what we got here. Cedric White says, "Should Pinion's three point making ability override his defensive skill set?" In your humble opinion, um. Maybe, <laughs> you know, it's, it's interesting though. Like I think when, you know, Arkansas's DNA has been low volume, decent percentage, three point shooting, uh, and just a, a healthy diet of attacking the rim. They, they lead, you know, the SEC in dunks, they dominate points in the paint. They get to the free throw line. So they, they kind of counteract what they're lacking in three point shooting by, you know, making up for it in other areas. So I think it stood out last night because, they just shot way more threes than they typically do. It was a season high, 25 threes, and they weren't making them. They weren't doing the other things that make them good on the offensive floor end of the floor. So I think it stood out a little bit more. Um, here's the thing with, with Joe. Um, I don't think his defense has been that bad on ball. That's what I was worried about. Like, does his lateral quickness play? Is he strong enough? And I, you know, I mean, any freshman has some work to do there, but I think he's been okay. From that standpoint, I think it's more, you know, off-ball awareness, rotations, and things of that nature. I know he got, got in trouble a little bit, I, I think, for a lapse there when he came out. Um, but I think it depends on how, how we see this thing evolve. Like, how are teams going to defend Arkansas? Because if they're getting away with packing the lane like that or, or going to the zone, and look, if Arkansas is going to be chucking up a bunch of threes, uh, you want the guys who can make them to be doing that. And Pinion small sample size, but you assume he's a guy who can do that, or at least, man, command enough attention from an opponent to drag somebody out on the perimeter with him and open up a driving lane. So, uh, look, I, I think you're going to rely on your starters heavily while Nick is out. Um, but I also think, you know, like I said earlier, when you don't have Nick and you don't have Trevin, those are your two, you know, kind of volume, uh, high percentage three-point shooting guys you have to make some at, at some point. And so can he help with that? Absolutely. Should it outweigh his defensive stuff? I don't know. I wish I had more, you know, more views of practice um, to see how he's shooting there, how he's performing, how he's getting open and getting to his spots. What is he doing when people run him off of the three-point line? Because that's what teams are going to do. Is he comfortable putting on the floor? Can he finish around the rim? How's his passing? It was good against UNC Asheville. 
but the the SEC is not UNC Asheville. So, um, like I said, maybe it's maybe it's baptism by fire a little bit. Maybe it is. Um, but I think that's going to depend on how the other guys are playing. Maybe we wouldn't be talking about it so much if you know if the starters uh, brought it more consistency consistently last night. But like I said, man, you, you can't go you can't go goose egg on the bench. And, you know, on, on a night where you're not shooting well, you automatically look down there and say, well, who can come in and shoot it? And he's that guy. So I, I kind of feel the same way about JP like I like I did Jackson Robinson last year where um, I get it. I know it, that, you know, that this rotation that's a tough nut to crack, even though it's thin right now, um, man, if, if you could just find a way to get him in there for a few minutes at a time just to make an impact is one, three, you know, makes a lot of difference, doesn't it? Might have been the difference in a win and a loss last night. Tim Eskew says, I've rarely seen basketball players uh, play as obviously hard as Jordan Walsh did last night uh, from sprint, sprinting the floor, creating jump balls, attacking the glasses. Effort stuck out amongst the other guys uh, who were also playing hard, disappointing loss. Yeah, man, he did. He really got after it. He was so active um, and he's so long. And, you know, I think some guys who are just so gifted physically, like Jordan Walsh is, um, a lot of times they don't match it with the motor, but he really has, man. He, You're right. He gets after it. He's diving on the floor. He's getting hit in the face. You know, he's he's mixing it up. He had that tie-up with, I can't remember. I can't remember if it was, I think it was Fountain. Maybe it was Cam Hayes. I don't know. But, you know, a lot of tie-ups on those rebounds. He's attacking the glass. Um, I was just really impressed with the way he played last night. Um, wish you would have knocked down a few more shots, but when you're doing everything else, um, you got to feel good about it. And that kind of stuff tends to be, uh, contagious and maybe it wasn't as much as you'd like it to be last night, but yeah, I was, I was really impressed too. Really was. All right. See, I, now I've had some roll off on this thing again. I'm going to try to get caught up here. Jake Belk says, uh, when do we see Ford? I know Devo is great on defense, but his shot selection is absolutely killing us in crunch time. Um, any chance of Pinion getting more time to help space the floor on offense? I knew Pinion was going to be the hot topic today. We look for the shooter when the team doesn't shoot well, right? I get it. I understand that. Uh, you know, with Ford, um, can he make shots? I, I don't know. We just haven't seen him. Right. And, and so for me, you know, if, if we're talking about Devo compared to Ford, especially in a game like last night, I'm rolling with the dude that's got three years of SEC experience and is proven. And yeah, his shot selection at times was, was really getting under my skin last night, too. He also made some big ones. Um, and you know that he's got that in him. I'm not saying Ford doesn't. I just don't know. We just haven't seen it. I wish we would have, you know, had the opportunity to get more looks at that. Uh, in non-conference play, I thought the times he was out there, he was fine. Not necessarily that aggressive looking to score, but uh, maybe that's not what, what they would need from him anyway. Um, but I don't know. And and I think some of it, too, is going to depend on foul trouble. Like, look, it, it, we know how Muss operates. Um, if, if those guys are healthy and not in foul trouble, the, the starters are going to play heavy minutes. That's just that's just the way he rolls. But, what you know, what we saw against Asheville, for example – um, you know, your man down with Nick out, um, AB picks up two fouls. Walsh picks up two fouls early. You got to, you got to dig into that bench a little bit. So we got to see Ford and Pinion. And, and so can those guys stay ready when their number is called? I hope so. He's going to get in there though. I'm, I'm sure he will. Dustin Hoofman says like the Texas game was a wake up call. I think this is a welcome to the sec, um, and the road opener wake up call. Didn't see anything that made me worry. Yeah. I, I, I tend to agree with that. You know, like I said, it, it, I have mixed emotions about the game because I'm, I'm frustrated because I really feel like it's one Arkansas let slip away. Like, they should have won that game for sure. I'm more frustrated about that than I am Creighton, uh, despite the officials. I just – because I think Creighton's really good. I, I, I'm not sold on, on LSU. I know it's a big statement to make after they just beat Arkansas, but I feel like they should have won that game and they let it slip away. But, yeah, big picture, eh. Not a big worry. You just can't let it become a become a thing that snowballs, right? No domino effect. Michelle Wilkerson, my wife, says not much hair to rip out. Listen, <laughs> you're right. 
taking shots. James Ladon Childress says, uh, the play was very physical last night, probably a little too physical at times. We will see more of this in conference play. Uh, the Hogs will not have an easy time in the upcoming schedule. We will get better from this. Agreed on all accounts. All accounts. Um, like I said, man, the SEC is just different. It is. It's a physical league. They let you play a little bit more. Nothing, nothing comes sweet in the paint. And even the guards, like, how many times have I said Trey Hannibal, man, he, just, he was just bullying people. And that's what you're going to see in this league for sure. And you're not going to get the benefit of the calls, uh, especially on the road in this conference. And you're right. We, we talked about that schedule a little bit. Woo. Missouri, Auburn, Bama, next three. I think you get Vanderbilt after that. We're going to learn about them. Dustin Hoofman says, grading players, I think Anthony Black needs an A++. He's had a lot on his plate without Smith being on the floor and has made his mark. He's just a freshman. Yeah, he's done a good job. He's done a great job. I did our midterm reviews. I always do the player grades. I did the midterm reviews over Christmas break. I think gave A, B, and A. A-plus means there's nothing he can improve on, you know? Cut down the, the turnovers a little bit, get a little more aggressive to score. Everybody's got room for improvement, right? But no, he's been he's been great. Was off his game last night. Didn't didn't play well last night. He was sick. Whatever. He'll be fine. Lottery pick. James Don Childers says, I can't stand LSU. Me either, man. <laughs> that was that was a frustrating loss. You know what? I, what I will say though. Uh, as I used to get really um, bothered by LSU when Will Wade was the coach, guy drove me nuts. I like Matt McMahon though, I do. I like that guy, and I like his team too. The one thing about LSU the last couple years, just with some of the guys that they had, they were really good and really talented. They got under my skin. Darius Days, games he used to have against Arkansas, man. You guys remember like Javante Smart. Guys like that, they used to drive me nuts. I actually like the group that he has, but I I never like losing to LSU. Nah. Kingsley, my guy, very physical play last night. I thought we took too long to adjust to that. Yep. Uh, in some ways, specifically driving hard to the rim, which we never did. Yeah, you know, I, I, I just, it was just so weird that they kind of abandoned ship on that in the first half. I, I guess that zone had them out of sorts for a while there, but, you know, coming out of the break in the second half, they were really, they were more aggressive getting to the rim, but then also attacking the offensive glass, which we haven't seen from this Arkansas team all year. And it, it ticks me off. My wife talks about it all the time. Like, these guys are, are taller and, and more athletic and longer than everybody. Why aren't they getting offensive rebounds? Well, I don't know. I, I really don't. I think some of it is teams pack the paint on them. It's a little bit harder to do. They don't shoot a lot of threes. Um, Typically, they did last night. So, you know, not as many long rebounds. But, man, take advantage of that length and size. I thought they really started doing that. Got some tip-ins, some putbacks, extended some possessions. Uh, but then it kind of trickled off there a little bit down the stretch. They were settling for jumpers again. Out of character is what Must said. I would agree. Weird game. James Childress says, I agree that Graham needs a longer leash. Muscle, muscle pull him in a second. Yeah, like I said, man, it, it, it almost feels like, you know, as soon, like one possession in, you know, if, if he's got it or not, I don't know. He, there's just a very different look, um, with Graham when he's on and when he's not. And, you know, it doesn't have to be like remarkable, like he was against Asheville to think, okay, he, he, he can provide something tonight. But you know, the way he walked out there on the floor, uh, you know, against LSU, I'm not trying to be hard on him, but I, he just, Man, you just right away. I was like, ah, this is it's not his night. But he did. He just looked a little bit. I don't know, maybe shook or I don't know, just not dialed in. But they've got to have him. So you got to keep turning to him. You have to right now because you need that offense. You need guys to be able to get a blow. So we'll see. It's frustrating because because you, you see those outbursts and you're like, man. 
this is why this dude was all Pac-12. Like, he's he's legit. He can play. And he's a senior. That's what gets me about it. He's a senior, right? And so you, you have those stretches where you, you, know, you look just real on. Like, he's making freshman mistakes as a senior at times. So it's just a consistency thing. And guys, man, they hit their stride at, at different times. They settle in at different times. But, you know, I don't want a talent like Graham to to fall into the Vance Jackson category of dudes who are, you know, just really gifted and skilled players that can just never fully crack and carve a role inside the rotation. So hopefully he gets it going. He's going to have another opportunity Wednesday. Yeah, Zach Van, Council in Black with off nights, too much to overcome. Sure is right now. Especially if, you know, if, you, if you're not getting any production, um, you know, off of the bench to counteract that. It's like we talked about with LSU. K.J. Williams gets shut down. Adam Miller has an off night. Uh, but they have some of those role players step up and have really nice games. And Arkansas just didn't have that guy uh, necessarily in this game. I'll learn from it. Zachary Beeler. Says we'll be fine. Expect a really tight game, especially without Nick. I would have expected a tight game with him. Let's see here. A couple more from James Childress. I love that Kentucky got 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 last night. Yeah, me too. That's always a good thing to see. I think it's a good thing for Missouri to be rolling a little bit coming into this game. Won't be any overlooking those guys now after the last two wins that they had. It's going to be a spotlight game, too. It's a good opportunity for Arkansas. I, might, I need to go look at the net rankings. I don't know if it's going to be a quad one or not, but, man, it's going to be a, it's going to be a high-profile game for sure. Kevin Alexander says, Coaches often tell shooters to keep shooting. Not sure what they tell guys who are not pure shooters. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Bueller says, I think we're going to beat Mizzou pretty easy, to be honest. We always play well against them in bud. I don't know. Two years ago, I, I saw Missouri come in and, and beat the hell out of Arkansas in bud, and Musk got ejected, and it was the first loss of the season. <laughs> but they beat up on him last year. Just a completely – you can't even really think about those things, though, because it's, you know, it's a new coach. It's a, an essentially a brand-new team. Um, they're playing well right now. Like I said, though, you know, even last night – and Illinois – um, I don't know how much it says about Missouri versus what it says about, you know, the struggles that those other teams are going through right now. But what we know is that Missouri will capitalize on you if you are wounded. Um, and is Arkansas in that spot right now? Maybe a little bit, but yeah, I, I would be floored, uh, if, if Missouri came into Bud Walton arena and, and rolled past them, I'd be floored. I'm not expecting that at all. Need to go two and one in the next three. I know Muss is going to be ready to go against NATO, but you better believe it. He's always ready for that. He was salty about that game at Alabama last year. They lost by one point for like the whole year. I mean, after they made the NCAA tournament, you know, beat Gonzaga, they're going to the Elite Eight. I feel like we were asking questions about other things at the press conference. He was like, oh, you know, we did lose that one point game at Alabama that we feel like we could have won. Like, he he wants to win those games, for sure. It's an underrated rivalry, Bruin, I think. Josh Grubb says, I think it came down to Hannibal and our shots not falling. Agreed. Uh, weren't able to guard him. We missed way too many close jumpers. Agreed. Uh, got a good-looking Mizzou team uh, next. What's your opinion on the Kentucky game with Mizzou? Yeah, I just I thought Missouri was the better team. But I also think, like, Kentucky's really going through it. I know I've said on this show a few times now, like they're going to figure it out. They're too talented. You got Oscar Sheebway back. They'll be all right. And, and, you know, maybe they still will. There's plenty of time, but boy, they have not looked good. And they're really struggling on the offensive end of the floor. Um, yeah, man, I, I don't know. Has the Calipari effect worn off? I guess we'll see. I hope they're still struggling when Arkansas plays them in a couple weeks. James says, do you think Musk should have put in more guys uh, to bang against LSU since the game was so physical? 
Well, I thought Makai was doing such a great job on Williams that she wanted to maintain that matchup. Maybe they could have done a little bit more um, with Fountain because he was giving them fits, 6'10 guy in there. Um, I just don't know who that would be. You know, Kamani. I, 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 I would still like to see Mikel get in there. I've said it before. Like, he's just got that look. He's got the physicality and, and, you know, the rim protection. But, you know, again, we're not invited to practice every day. I'm sure there's a reason that he's not getting that much time. But um, it does kind of go back to my point from previous episodes that I feel like they're going to need, you know, one of these forwards, one of these big guys to step up and, you know, kind of be a consistent force because we saw the difference in physicality uh, that SEC uh, brings. Kingsley says, why does AB pick up his dribble so quickly and easily? I know his awareness is high, but is there something else to that? It's a freshman. That, that, that's a freshman thing. Um, and I also think, you know, as much of an advantage it is for him to be a six, seven point guard, uh, they, it can also serve as a disadvantage at time because there's just more room from the ball to travel from his hand to the court. You know, and so if, if a little guy's getting on him or he's getting swarmed a little bit, um, you know, what he'll learn is to, is to get low, right. And maintain his dribble and kind of crab walk his way through it and split those things. Uh, but right now, while everything's a little bit more upright and high, it's just, it's just a tendency to pick that thing up, especially as a freshman, uh, when pressure is coming at you, that's what you do. You want to pick it up, you know, make the right pass and, and kind of get rid of it. Caleb Price says, any chance they can play Walsh at the three and play two bigs? Yeah. I, I think they would have done that uh, if Graham had, had gotten it going a little bit. I'm intrigued. We haven't, I don't know if we've really seen much of it at all, but I'm intrigued by the thought of Makai and Graham. I know it's weird because they're both kind of centers, but I think there's enough versatility to their games um, that it could it could work. I don't know. I, I, I think it would be intriguing, a little high-low action there. I might be crazy. I wouldn't mind seeing it. And I think it would take some pressure off of the backcourt if you could play Walsh more at three, you know, and, and then you got a really good player still out there on the wing and Anthony Black can get a couple minutes. You know, slide Walsh up to the three. You can give A.B., you know, the final minute before a media timeout and he gets that break. Then you sub him back in for Devo, right? And then Devo gets a few minutes. And then you bring, you know, whoever – that council back in, uh, he subs in for Graham, then you slide Walsh back down to the four. Like you, you could do that. It's easy to say, but it's different once you get in the flow of the moment. I know when I, I would used to make substitution charts for the game. It's like, okay, this is exactly how we're going to go about our rotation. And we're going to make sure guys get X amount of minutes or whatever. But when you get into the heat of the moment in the game, it's like, Ooh, I can't take him off the floor. Ooh, I actually, I don't like this matchup. So we would roll with it through like the first time out. And then I'd crumble up the sheet and throw it behind me. So I get it. All right. I think that's going to, going to wrap us up for the day. Good episode. Appreciate you guys participating as always. I love the Q and a, it's my favorite part. I want to know what you guys think. Answer the questions that you might have, but again, you know, Frustrating loss. They're going to be fine. 17 more SEC games to go. I think it was a one-off. I think they're going to be ready to play on Wednesday. I think it's a 7.30 tip Wednesday against pretty good Missouri squad from Bud Walton Arena. Um, so that would make our next episode probably Thursday of next week. Appreciate you guys. Like always, Hog Hoops Live would be nothing without you guys. I'm just a talking head up here. But listen, everybody be safe out there for New Year's. If you're traveling, be smart out there. If you're shooting fireworks around, be careful. Don't lose a finger. Appreciate you guys. We'll talk to you next time.